0: Miss Chris, how are you? Oh my God. I'm so tired, but you know what? I'm good. How are <laughs> you though?
1: <laughs> I'm trying to make it. They over here acting like nothing's wrong outside. Like I can't go outside and be in fear for my life, literally be in fear for my life. But it's all good because I'm glad we're back together to talk about this really, really amazing thing that we did. You want to tell the people what it is, Miss Chris? I'm happy to do
0: it. This story actually co- it actually dates back to what? Last October? October 2019 Mm -hmm. to be more specific bottom of the map had a live show at a3c that stands for all three coasts it's a hip-hop festival based here in Atlanta and so we did our own like live show thing and uh afterwards after the show someone named Dr. Stevie Johnson also known as Dr. View had approached us now he was like I'm a big fan of your work blah 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 I'm sure he gave the same spiel to you Regina but then it's when he hands over his business card that I'm like what What is happening here? Because more specifically, he's the manager of education and outreach at the Woody Guthrie Center and Bob Dylan Center. So I was like, what is somebody (laughs) representing Bob Dylan and Woody Guthrie doing at A3C, checking out a podcast called Bottom of the Map? But little did we know that Dr. View as his nickname, Dr. View was basically overseeing this amazing commemoration project that is in partnership with the city of Tulsa and uh, George Kaiser, who's like Oklahoma's wealthiest man. He's like an oil tycoon. He is basically in charge of putting together a commemorative hip hop album. Uh, set to be released in February 2021 that commemorates the Tulsa Race Massacre. So for those of you who aren't familiar, and that's okay since schools didn't teach all this until I think 2017, Black Wall Street refers to the Greenwood District, um, which was Tulsa's epicenter for Black entrepreneurship with over 1,200 homes and mom and pop businesses. The Tulsa Race Massacre in 1921 was when 5,000 white Tulsans, including members of the Ku Klux Klan, decimated Greenwood in just two days. So the album in particular is called Fire in Little Africa. Little Africa is the term that specifically the white residents of Tulsa used to reference what we know as Black Wall Street, right? And they kind of, they almost meant it as a derogatory term. It's like, look at these folks that are prospering over here while the rest of us are suffering. But then, of course, like part of this project is about like, a rec- it's a reclamation effort, right? It's a reclamation of that term as well as that particular history. So we ended up in Tulsa in part of a press, trip back in March 2020 my god that feels like so long ago but we went to Tulsa in March as part of a larger press trip to bring awareness to this project and as we are in Tulsa these artists are actually making the album so we are not only paying witness to like the album as it is being made but we're also taking a tour of Tulsa and learning about the larger history. This particular event hasn't been well documented in the history books, like a common narrative that we heard throughout our trip to Tulsa was that these folks didn't grow up learning about the Tulsa race massacre in school. They Mm. had to come about it through secondhand knowledge, through, you know, YouTube documentaries and things like that. Did I miss anything, Regina?
1: No, no, no. Just the real quick textbook version is that uh, it took place in June of 1921. So this is like the 100 year anniversary. And I'm just really kind of, I'm not shocked, but I'm shook. You know what I'm saying? That, you know, to be not shocked, meaning that, you know, of course, they're not going to put a lot of history into history books. Textbooks are problematic as they are, but that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> but shook in the sense that it's such a painful memory for so many people in Tulsa and in Oklahoma that they refuse to talk about it openly and directly. So I think that them doing a hip hop commemoration album is so legit because with hip hop, we always air out the dirty laundry. You know what I'm saying? We, mm-hmm. always, we always bring it out to the forefront in terms of this is what happened. This is why it's important. So... We went, we had a dope time. We did this live event. Y'all check out what we heard. I'm music journalist, Christina Lee. Hey, what's up? I'm writer research professor, Dr. Regina Bradley. This is Bottom of the Map. Live from Tulsa, Oklahoma, AKA Black Wall Street.
2: My name is Chief Egunwale Amushan. We are in what they call Deep Greenwood, which is the business district of Greenwood.
1: Uh-huh. My name is Christy Williams, K-R-I-S-T-I uh, Williams, and we are in the Greenwood district.
2: Now what do you do in a district? Four square mile area. Greenwood itself is 35 blocks, but the area is four square miles. That means, that's the destruction we're talking about here. That's why I say, when you think about Black Wall Street, don't think about it in terms of a street. Think about it in terms of a district, a township, four square miles destroyed. Because as long as you can keep your people focused on the street, you won't think of, you can really marginal. You can marginalize the, the level of wealth, right? You can really do it. We can't let that happen. Because you talk about, we, we look up to people like Rockefeller and Ford and, and all these other, we had all of those same, we had the same families here. The Berries and the and Franklins and yeah, the Frasers yeah. and the Williams—you, we had all of that right here, right? Those are the people you need to put on your, on your, on your gear, right? Those are the names you need to put if you want to, if you want to idolize somebody who, for their uh, entrepreneurship and their prowess, those are the people you do it for. All right, so we're gonna move forward over here, and they fought when the when the, when they when the riders came. They fought from the top stories of these buildings. And you're reading all the stories how these people who own these buildings got their guns and they fought. They fought relentlessly until they couldn't anymore and they set buildings on fire. Then when they realized they couldn't burn them down, what's the next best thing? Bomb them. You bomb them. So it's just a, a really powerful story. You think about how big this, just all of this is, you know? A real serious legacy right here in, in Greenwood. And it makes sense why there will be a cover-up. Because how do you desecrate, how do you decimate, how do you destroy, how do you have a domestic terrorism in a country and then not be considered that? You make you 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 create an elaborate cover up, right? Then you make the people you make the peop- people believe it. Cause what most people don't know is in nineteen twenty-two. That whole entire year was about terrorism from the Ku Klux Klan. And the Ku Klux Klan was not like some um, unorganized, uneducated group of people. You're talking about people who were city founders and politicians, and everybody was a member of the Klan, right? It's not this old redneck hick dude who decided to join the Klan because of his uh, financial oppression, right, or social oppression. These are people who who, who built the city of Tulsa. These are people who sustain the city of Tulsa, have their names on institutions, have their names on streets. Those are the people who helped destroy Greenwood. The fact that Dick Rowland and Sarah Page had a relationship had no bearing. It was just simply the perfect, it was was the, the lighter, right? It was the lighter for the dynamite. That's all it was. We need a good excuse to go in and deal with this because they're looking at Greenwood from South Tulsa, so from the other side of the track, looking this way and seeing productivity during the Depression. And it's not going to stop. So how do we deal with that? And it's in prime real estate because you have three rail systems that go straight through it. So that's what we're talking about when we think about Greenwood. Okay. So this is where our tour ends. For today, um, if you ever want to you know, take the full tour, just contact us on Facebook, The Real Black Wall Street Tour and we can you know give you that extensive tour and i hope that you were able to learn more than what you already knew and you have a a, a more expanded perception about what greenwood represented and who the the people were who came to greenwood Uh, because that's one of the missing equations we talk about business we talk about a lot of things but we don't talk about the people who actually built greenwood and we put a lot of focus on 21 but not a lot of focus on the blueprint that created Greenwood, what we know as Greenwood, and what resurfaced and what was recreated after Greenwood, or after the destruction of Greenwood, I think that's more important. That's just as important. So I hope that you all, uh, you know, enjoy your time here uh, and, and really just, you know, just just expand your how you perceive these communities that have been decimated like that across the country when you go into sacred spaces like that. All right. And thank thank you.
3: you
1: for braving this rain you. and cold with yeah, us. Yeah, <laughs> What did you make
0: of that experience?
1: It's a lot, I'm still processing. I was very much in my feelings. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, just had this whole conversation about erasure and racial trauma and how that works out. Just really just kind of touched me in a way I wasn't really prepared to deal with early in the morning. So we're here because uh, Dr. Stevie Johnson invited us out to see how they're commemorating the 100th anniversary of the Tulsa race massacres.
0: Which is next year. Um, But in preparation of that, um, Dr. View, is coordinating a hip-hop album, which is it, fire, by yes, the way. Yes, um, featuring uh, local artists such as Steph Simon, who we're gonna be talking to uh, later on this weekend. Talking with folks like who grew up in Tulsa, um, who grew up pretty much where Black Sh- Wall Street was, but didn't come to find out of this history, of their own personal history, until way after the fact. Way So, after the, fact. so the biggest oversight that Tulsa is experiencing right now is that they're kind of rushing to commemorate a massacre that had yet to be incorporated into school curriculums until two years ago. Yeah, which is crazy.
1: We, we got to see pictures of what the original district looked like, but one of the things that always stands out for me, especially as a southerner, is the railroad tracks. It's like a physical signifier right. of segregation, and that extended all the way out here. So that was, it wasn't surprising, but I was kind of like, yeah, this is why we're all still historically connected. Like, they're still doing a lot of the similar things that you would think are deep south, but that also just kind of perforates out out west I guess
0: yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 so it's like the railroad tracks are like one of the last remaining markers of that particular period where uh, white residents of Tulsa were looking over at Black Wall Street and then asking themselves well why is it it's like I mean, they were looking at Jim Crow as b- something beyond, like, a stimulus package. They right. were looking at it as, like, affirmative action used, like, to their own disadvantage. Um, so
1: And they probably weren't used to black folks being dope and,
0: and being functioning on their own without right. the influence of white
1: folks. And right. some white folks just still can't deal with that shit. Right.
0: Which so, is, you know,
1: it is what it is. Yeah,
0: exactly. So we were at the Greenwood Cultural Center. You said something so brilliant there, which is, like, we have yet to acknowledge the anger or, or something like that. Can you expand on that? Because I
1: can do it. I mean, like, so basically it's like folks want to talk about reconciliation. They make it seem like it's a one-way street, like it's only black folks who needed to be doing the work. And it's a two-way street. And the other part of it is you can't reconcile when you won't acknowledge what happened. Exactly, and that's where yeah. the rage comes from. You know what I mean? Like, rage is a part of that. It's a part of the grieving process. It's one of the steps. You know what I mean? And that's the one step that folks are trying to, you know, get over on and make everything work. But... You can't, get, you can't get reconciliation without actually atonement and acknowledgement. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I was trying to say. Last night we went to the mountaintop, which meant that we went to this super secret, super dope listening party. Uh, today we're doing a view or a tour of Tulsa, and then tomorrow is when we <laughs> do our thing. <laughs> hey, players, this is Peaches, and you listening to the Bottom of the Map podcast right here in ATL. Yeah, boy. So we did a live show at Circle Cinema, and we talked to uh, View and Steph Simon, who is one of the pioneering uh, hip hop artists in Oklahoma, who's also spearheading the artistic talent for the album, Fire in Little Africa. Did I forget
0: anything? more specifically we were talking to Dr. View and Steph Simon not only about the project but i guess hip hop in particular being an oral history that counters mm. what has been completely missing from the textbooks like so the thing to know about Steph Simon is that he grew up like literally he has an album titled Born on Black Wall Street and so um like what we ended up talking about was just about how like hip-hop in particular offers this alternate history and sort of like you know, fills in the gaps in places where textbooks were lacking.
3: Step Simon, tell him what you want to do, baby. Let oh, him know. Man, I put that on a couch. Ain't nobody fucking with the flow. Walk a mud like a nigga spit folks Just a bit focused. I've been passing out flavor like over. Your main hole, make a bend over. Yeah, yeah, roll it. Picture me. pitch your frame, nigga sick of me. Fix your face when I enter the vicinity. No trash through the airwaves, No gimmicky. No discount. Pay the toll. You ain't in the rent. I need that. Made it all bet Yeah, yeah. They say I'm so west coast, but I'm so gapped. I really put the city on the map, yeah, yeah. Still remember when I used to ride the fast track. Nothing but a dollar and a transfer. Now I transfer dollars to a PayPal with a password. Pippin ain't dead, it just moved to the web. Making moves with the bread, made the rules. I'm a yeah, yeah. Ain't nobody gonna stop my mission, yeah, yeah. Ain't nobody's gonna catch me slipping, yeah, yeah. We ain't worried about much, we chillin', yeah, yeah. You stressin' about
1: one of the things that we always talk about on the podcast is that the South is not a monolith, you know what I mean? And if the South is not a monolith, the culture is not a monolith. There are threads in place that connect us all together, but that doesn't mean that we don't have our unique experiences, unique things. So, like, when I was invited here by, you know, they keep calling you Dr. View Steve, I just call you Stevie, okay. His mama calls Steve, I'm Stevie, all right. <laughs> and I was just like, there's so many, there's like so many connections I was thinking about. I mean like, you know, it's kinda of like the same thing in Albany, Albany has a hip hop scene. You don't hear about the hip hop scene in Albany. Like I didn't know that there was, I didn't even know there was a, a hip hop scene in Tulsa until I got here and got my mind blown these last two days. Um, so, all that to say, like, you know, it's really interesting when you try to reclaim a narrative that has been sanitized and has been mass produced in such a way. Like, we like to think about Dr. King having a dream. We like to think about Malcolm X being a problem. We like to think about all these things. But the reality of it is, is, you know, Dr. King was more complicated, especially at the end of his life. You know what I'm saying? He was like, run me my check. And that's when the FBI is like, you two don't go in too goddamn far now. Like, you can do civil rights. We don't want to talk about money. Mm-hmm. Which is the only reason he was in Memphis. Mm-hmm. The only reason he was in Memphis was the sanitation worker strike, and they were demanding more money. And he was like, "Rummy my coin, rummy my check." But we don't hear about that, Dr. King. We don't hear about the aggravator, Dr. King. We like to romanticize him. Oh, I would have been with Dr. King, and Dr. King. Like, I can't really can't stand the all lives matter people. The ones who just come out of nowhere when you be like Black Lives Matter, and then they be like, "Well, Dr. King said, shut the fuck up. Dr. King didn't say that." And <laughs> you gonna give me some new quotes from Dr. King? <laughs> give me the quote where he was like. I'm trying to integrate my people into a burning house. I ain't never seen no white folks say that shit. I <laughs> <laughs> Stay in a burning house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't talk about Malcolm X. Nope. We don't talk about the fact that when he went on his Hajj, for example, he came back a different man. He wasn't just thinking, I mean, he was still very much pro-black. But he wasn't just pro-black. He was more humanistic in his approach, which caused a stir in the nation of Islam, which is why he left the nation of Islam. Right. We don't talk about that part of it. Nope. Yeah. You know, instead, we just like to be like, polar opposites. And I think that's one of the things that we need to challenge in the art and in in being creatives is we need to challenge the polarized spectrum that we're on. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just civil rights movement and you were, you know, pacifist. It wasn't just you were militant and you were, you know, black liberation. Most of us existed in the gray space in the middle. And I think that art is an opportunity for us to
0: recreate
1: and reclaim that. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. So just to bring folks like up to speed. I was like one of our guests that we're going to feature on this episode today mm-hmm. in the sense that when I was trying to look for past references to what happened in Tulsa, yeah. there was the game who said he was going to leave G-Unit and form his own label called Black Wall Street. Um, and then the only other example that I could really find was um, an N.E.R.D NAR- song Oh yeah, and he has a song called Don't Don't Do It um, and Tulsa is only really mentioned as one of these cities where there has been racial violence, police brutality, right. and, and you know, activism has broken out as a mm-hmm, result. Mm-hmm. But it is one of those references, I think, where if you don't, he, Pharrell is basically telling you to Google, he's like, he didn't really explain anything like that. But he, that was before the Googles, but you gotta, you gotta go talk to your people. No, like, no, 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 what this, is? this song was in 2017. This is when AMD came back, they, they re- with Lemon, did the, Rihanna did the Lemon thing, mm. and all this other stuff, so. Mm.
1: And then you obviously have like, you know, the ridiculous success of Watchmen. Right which we gonna talk about, it. you ain't I gotta look at me like that. I'm not saying it was perfect. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. One of the things I do find interesting is that the remake of Watchmen is what we got on HBO, but is anybody else a comic book fan, like graphic novel fan? So you know, like, the original Watchmen was hella white, hella male, hella problematic. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't remember seeing a black woman on that. I don't remember. I don't remember. But now it's like you have Regina King, who is like this starra with her fine ass, okay? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, Who's also with, you know, Yaya with his body. It was just too much fight on the screen. You're just just like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) But they rooted in this story about the race massacre, which, you know, if you don't watch anything else from that season, just that first episode, the, the, the care that was given into it. Not saying that it was perfect, but the care that was given into it. Was amazing. And it also, like you said, had folks trying to be Dr. Google. Well, what, what is this? What, is, what happened? What are all these things? But it also showed a very blind spot that in this era, with this, I mean, like, real shit, we live in an interesting moment. Like, on the one hand, you have folks who are trying to tell us that we're post-racial. Mm. Yes. Like, you know, you know, race don't matter like it did. You know what I'm saying? And you just kind of, like, if you are a person of color or if you are black, you have to deal with that shit. And then, you know, you have to deal with folks talking about diversity and inclusion. Mm. But, like, they don't want to say the word black. And I feel like Watchmen forced people to say the word Black. Black trauma. Black resilience. You know what I mean? And folks are like, oh, but the civil rights movement. And we like, "Mm mm-mm. Black trauma. Black violence. Racial terror. Racial trauma. These things are continuously coming up. And one of the reasons that they are continuously coming up is because we refuse to acknowledge and deal with it. You can't get no atonement if you don't know what what you're atoning. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? First of all. I'm just saying. That's just fact. But
0: I don't want to talk about this no
1: more. Because I mean, we got, yeah, we got folks who can speak from it. I mean,
0: I mean, that's what makes this trip for us like really, really exciting, right? Very true. Because, um, while Watchmen definitely put the race massacre, um, catapulted it to like mainstream, Mm -hmm. I guess, to some extent, um, it also showed that there was some more room to bring Tulsa into this conversation, Tulsa voices. And I'm thinking specifically about two things. I guess one, as soon as you get to the present day, Mm. there were definitely some condos that I recognize as being from Atlanta. I was like, oh, they didn't even shoot this in Tulsa. That's the Jackson Street (laughs) Bridge over there. You know what I mean? So so there was that aspect of it. Mm. And then the Mm. other aspect is like once you get to the present day, you're not hearing a Tulsa hip hop voice. I love future, but I feel like that was maybe perhaps maybe the time and place to feature a Tulsa hip-hop artist? Something. I'm saying. I'm sorry, Future, but also I'm not sorry. I um, <laughs> so, so I guess with that in mind, uh, we're really excited to bring in a couple folks who have been our hosts throughout this entire week, but for this particular episode are our guests. Um, I remember when uh, Dr. Stevie Johnson first approached us. It was at A3C. He was like, hey, just want to stay in touch, blah, blah, blah. And then I look at his business card, and I was like, Woody Guthrie? I'm so confused. But I'm really excited for everything that he is doing. And then, of course, uh, we're also bringing in uh, Steph Simon. Steph Simon, who, for me, reminds me of OutKast in the sense that once I touched down into Atlanta in 2010, their music became like they served as a tour guide for me to Mm -hmm. understand the city, to kind of connect landmarks to history. And I feel like Steph is is pretty much doing the exact same thing. So please...
3: Come, yeah, show some come. love to our, our guests for this special edition of the night. Thank you. That's tight. <laughs> Can I talk about that real quick? <laughs> yes, please. yes please. So, um, outcast is the reason why I make tour guide music for Tulsa. Wait, it.
0: really?
3: Yeah. So, um, when I went to ATL, um... What, whatever year the Falcons went to the Super Bowl, twenty seventeen. We don't want to talk about it. So so.
1: Hurtful. I'm not as, even invested in them like that. But as soon as I
3: get there, like I'm throwing outcasts. We uh, we spray we we doing a uh, a mural. Me and my one of my friends, Jake Beeson, we're doing a mural for Killer Mike. Oh, fire! Okay. And here comes a martyr. <laughs> I'm like, some of my niggas rode the monitor through the hood, just trying to find that, you know what I'm saying? I'm just rapping everything. We go by the package store, I start rapping the package store raps. Right when I got off the plane, we get in the car, It's like, A-T-L, cruising, and A-T, this is one of our kids, you i you You gotta hit the high
1: note, I can't You gonna do it? It's too
3: early, like I probably,
1: my voice warmed up. Warm up. I you got to warm it up, up. up. We'll, yeah, warm up. Up. we'll yeah, come yeah, back to it. We'll <laughs>
3: come back to it. So um, we played that. Like, you just start noticing um, Big Boy is really... People don't give Big Boy enough credit, but Big Boy
0: music makes
3: so much sense when you're in Atlanta. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And uh, it made me realize we related to Andre more because we weren't there. He was talking to people that weren't there, and Big Boy was talking to people that was from there, and that's what was was dope so yeah that's why i make the music No, that's
0: so amazing that's so amazing that's actually relates perfectly to my first question because according to the u.s census Mm -mm. just quoting the u.s census oklahoma does fall in the south um it falls specifically in a region called west south central what i know can you believe it west south Central, okay, just all these terms, but we just um, everywhere,
1: y'all just everywhere.
0: I do um, think it's interesting because West sounds Central technically also encompasses like a Texas and a Louisiana and a Arkansas, mm-hmm. which are states that I think more readily come to mind when we think of the Southern hip hop narrative. True. But a, but I just want to ask you guys, like regionally speaking, do, what do y'all, y'all feel think? Southern? Like I learned about the three C's yesterday, of course. So,
3: uh, he's from Texas, right? <laughs> he's Southern. Um, uh, me. I feel
1: country. Yeah, that's his own thing. You
3: know. You know I mean, so, Pimp C told us right. These right. Is country rap tunes. I feel like I feel like I make country rap tunes. but um, yeah, I feel southern, but like it's like the suburb to southern culture. Well, you so, country like, adjacent. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah like, like we're like we're like Texas and Kansas. You know what I'm saying? I like, got you. I got you. So, so it's it's. It's it's weird. It's we right. I mean, we right where we at. We we're in the middle. We we the stomach at I love that. You know what I'm saying. So that's uh, we're Texas cousins or stepbrother. That's how they treat us sometimes. And we don't know. We don't like. We Kansas is like that stepbrother. We ain't really just got to meet. What we see him sometime when we. Go up to St. Louis. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> and we make a stop, but you we, the way. we uh yeah we I feel I feel like we're the Southwest more than anything yo, yeah.
1: School is shot from Southwest Georgia, cause like I said, you know all South South is everywhere. I went to the recording sessions last night, which was yeah. insane, and I heard influences of everything from Outkast to UGK to there. you know Ice Cube still still yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean yeah, 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 yeah. so like. Let me throw a softball. How would you define Tulsa
3: hip-hop? Where does it fit? Um, I I always say because of the internet, the musical, the production content can go everywhere. You can get West Mm -hmm. Coast, you can get Texas, you can get New York, you can get Atlanta. Um, I think the sound now comes from the content, the words that we say is what defines Tulsa. And we, we speak for entrepreneurs. We pro entrepreneur. We pro local. We pro ownership. Mm-hmm. We pro starting up your own business outside of your job. Like that's that's what you are here when you when you hear a rapper from here. We uh we teach people how to boss up in that, in that music. It all started with one. It all started with one. It all started with one and I'll start I'm putting on like a sweater when the breeze out. The weather of them feeds out. Summertime, my knees out. Can't believe I ever sag. I've been feeling free now. Kinda like that first time when I sat inside that tree house. My niggas starting businesses ain't even got degrees now. My niggas with degrees, man, they out here selling weed now. Pendulum swinging like Alan Green now. Got that kind of stuff that can turn a dope fiend out. Have them saving money just to do some better things now. All the children in the the projects feel like they in sweet snap man they said we from the bottom but i do not see how when the people with the money wanna look like me now looking like my kids got the ass like my queen now something money cannot buy that type of shit you bleed out come up to the promised land and come and see what we bout. crabs in the bucket but my bucket pushing me out it all started with
1: But Stevie, you know, as a producer, like, you know, I heard a couple of your things, they (laughs) (laughs) a'ight.
2: No, they're amazing,
1: they're amazing. No, so I mean, like, as a producer, you know what I mean? Like, what, especially somebody coming from Texas, because, you know, folks like to have these conversations. Is Texas really part of the South? Yes, yes, the fuck it is. Like, stop having these conversations. But I mean, like, as somebody, what part of Texas, first of all, I think that's important. What part of Texas are you from? And then, when you listen to a beat, like when it's coming together in your mind, like what aspects of southernness do you feel most impact how you how you represent yourself on a track?
4: So um, I'm from originally from Longview, Texas, which is uh, about two hours east of Dallas, about an hour from Shreveport. So right off of I-20, um, call ourselves the Piney Woods. Um, and so it's really like, it's really interesting that it's a big country city. And the fact that I was transported to Tulsa is that same field, just mm-hmm. with more people. And so kinda going back to your last question, like I would define it as God's gumbo mm-hmm. in the context of like this Bible belt. <laughs> <I like that. laughs> yeah, it's just like this this Bible belt that we that we're living in and got these people who are kinda coming into the center, like the epicenter of like God's gumbo mm-hmm. and like getting this spiritual energy that it's not necessarily I go into a project like expecting to create something. It's like, I read something by, uh, I think her, Hendry from LSU, of the epistemology of listening, and how like, it's really a sacred a political act of trust when you do anything in community with people. And like that's my approach when it comes like, to making music, is that I'm going into this, to this room and I'm listening to the people, who are rapping and formulating a sound based upon the energy that they're giving me. And so I can listen to a Gil Sky Heron sample or Nina Simone and and put it together with some Big Crit, J. Cole, and, and make it sound like something God created and we're just the vessels. Um, so sonically, it's just more of like, what do I feel is gonna be the, the, the sound, the frequency, the emotion that's going to allow people to like resonate and truly listen and, and give space for the artists to like truly like say what they got to say
0: gotcha, gotcha. so you were talking about how um i guess the most important basis of tulsa hip-hop is this idea of like entrepreneurship and really like nurturing and cultivating that i guess i like speaking as a journalist i just want to like really paint that picture so i guess like as you're gaining prominence as an artist, um, what was the state of a- black entrepreneurship as you were like yeah. kept, kind of getting started, and what role has the music played in nurturing that from what you see
3: it's it's always been there um even before like the awareness of Black Wall Street started to really push it's how people have been like black businesses have been happening but um I just wanted to be the soundtrack to it. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to be what people listen to while they was writing that business plan, and my, my music is was playing in the background. You know what I'm saying? So it's always been there, and uh, I I really fed off of that. I really fed off Northside community. I don't know how far north y'all been yet, but the energy out north is just a lot different from anywhere in the city of Tulsa. So Why? it's uh it's because. Nobody really leaves that side of town. They just stay right in that thing in that in that circumference. That, they just stay right in around in that. And so uh, that was even me growing up until I was forced to move to another side of the city. Um, I just stayed in that in that radius. And so you know everybody. If you went to school there, you know everybody. And you know what I'm saying? So uh, the sports culture, the just everything. Everybody, the, everybody just. It was always a big family-like mm-hmm. feel, so it's always been that way.
1: So, I mean, like something you said yesterday really stood out to me, you were, you know, they were asking about how you talk about Dickie Rowland. Yeah. And I was like, I feel like this is a conversation that I've had with multiple folks, including my students, is that I tell my students that with black folks, the voice that we seldom speak with is our own, mm-hmm. which is like a remix of something that DJ Spooky said. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Got to get receipts. You ain't gonna for me. You ain't try to take nobody's shit. Um, citations and all citations that. are important, especially as an academic. But one of the things I was like, the first thing that came to mind for me when you said that was, that's ancestral ambition. You know what I'm saying? I like, believe
3: in. I believe in that.
1: So. I do too. I'm just like you know, it's to the point where I, it's like if you have something, you don't even have to be a creative. You know what I mean? But I'm a creative. Like I'm a fiction writer. You know what I mean? And it's like I have characters, voices who right. are like, oh. Oh, you going to ignore me? You yeah. wake your ass up. Let me yeah. <laughs> let me do something like when we when we talk about like that connection to the Tulsa massacres and the role that hip hop plays in that. Like, can you dive into that a little bit? Like, what is the bridge between like that act of remembrance that hip hop does versus like that reclamation that you're doing with the music or what a lot of Tulsa artists are doing with the music? Well,
3: I mean, I, for me, I knowing that Dick Whirling, his his his. His narrative was like he's the catalyst for the rice riot and the race massacre because of the elevator incident. So I was like, okay, I wanna be the catalyst, the twenty twenty one version. I wanna be the catalyst for the creative revolution and uh, you know what I'm saying, the the big bust and upstart that what we're creating right now. So I I didn't wanna be called I don't want people calling me Dick. So I like <laughs> okay. I like flipped try to make it a little bit cooler and uh and and go with that but um i just wanted to be the catalyst for the for official rebrand i always knew it was coming and um i just felt like High powers is just looking for the person that can carry that weight and it's like okay you look like you've been you've been up here asking for it <laughs> like right. you know what i'm right. saying yeah, yeah. so i'm gonna give it to you and now it's like now that I feel like the table is set for me. I'm just like, okay, I gotta, I gotta work in and make it happen. So I accepted the challenge and and the role, and everybody is coming to me at, in in that position. I just feel like it's uh, at this time. It's like my job to to carry that flag. So. Uh, It was all a dream I used to read jet magazines Now I'm trying to make it on the cover Uh, Double XL throwing up world culture The town vouched for me Not a child but the poster Got my name on it Steph Simon simple and plain Homie like Uh. a sandwich with bologna Meat and bread only Ride the beat like a black lane frost without a license twinkle with the date in the car, so indecisive yeah, yeah. I put my city out of crisis, gave it an identity I paint the picture so vividly, uh, skyline energy uh, Diamond dick rolling, I be flowing like the river's uh, beat Got your girl digging yeah. me, and she ain't even hear me speak Not a peak, word of mouth, got me on the brink And you can bet they will never catch squeak Headed to the beach, ice tray full of drinks and the photo door Jeep uh. Summertime, everybody outside
1: you know, it's hard to speak for the dead And that's what
3: you're doing I mean, like, for no, but also, like, that's literally, real. though Like, this, it, like, is. Literally, like literally yeah, it is Literally, like, literally, creatively, you know what I'm saying? That's I mean? what it is It's hard to speak for the dead uh, My mom passed I, I speak to my mom all the yeah. time She passed when I was 20 My grandma passed when I was 11 Like, mm-hmm. and it's always been uh, Death has always been, like a thing a reminder for me you know what I'm saying so I've always had like relationships with people that's not here right right? you know what I'm saying so uh, tapping into tapping into something deeper to 100 years to tapping into people I ain't even never met before was like a whole nother like energy it it gets exhausting sometimes um, because I'll take a year and a half off of making music because it can get exhausting
1: I mean, and, and Stevie, you know, this is where I kinda wanna bring you in as a producer because I feel like a lyricist tells you one story and a producer by the, by his beats tells you a whole different story. You know what I'm saying? And like, I'm wondering, you know, walk us through it. So when you came up with this idea for, first of all, what does Fire in Little Africa mean? But also how is that kind of correlated to what Steph is talking about? I mean, like, you know, it's hard to speak for the dead, but it's also hard to rep- use your art to represent for for the dead too. You know what I'm saying?
4: The sound represents what the dead wants the song to sound like. Um, so, um, so that, to answer your question, and I'll elaborate in a sec. So, Fire in Little Africa comes from a photo that was taken. It said Tulsa Race Riot, June 1st, 1921. Mm-hmm. It's a rooftop view of Greenwood burning and uh i was having a conversation with a mentor shout out to uh dave stovall was like man i'm thinking about calling this joint little africa on fire he was like why i was like tell him the photo he says uh kind of going towards the day like where is the agency where is the agency being placed right is it being placed on the situation or is it giving back to the people and uh so we were going back and forth, he was like, what, what about fire in Little Africa? And uh, he was like, yeah, you know, they burned it, but like this, the state of mind, this mentality like still exists, it's still burning. Um, and it's burning because like the dead want us to like truly talk about it. And so um, I've mentioned before, like before I got my house on the North side, which is right around the corner from his grandmother's house that I just found out, I was staying downtown in the historic Greenwood and I would open up my window and it was just like this energy as if like mm-hmm. something was happening. Like, kind of like Space Jam when like, dudes got the talent? It was just like, like Voltron type, type <laughs> stuff. Like, I just felt this like creative, like spiritual awakening that I've never felt before. The most creative I've ever been, the most clarity I've ever received, the most fearless I've ever been, um, like, to be in front of these people and talking about this stuff like and not being afraid and being able to stand on some stuff that I know is about to happen. Um, that's that's all about like the, the essence of what the ancestors are telling me and me being willing to listen and understand it but also like not just keeping it for myself but sharing it with everybody else which is a whole purpose of Black Wall Street in the first place so yeah, it's like this, the soundtracks, the beats, everything that we're making sonically, it ain't even us, we're just a vessel. Mm-hmm. the vessel. And the ancestors are telling us like, this is why this needs to happen. And I'll give you another example. We were supposed to record at another facility. And the facility said, you all can't be there because we have a fiduciary responsibility to, to protect state property. So we're, we're going into this, this situation and they're pretty, much saying, they're pretty much saying they don't want us there because they think we're gonna steal some shit. Mm I'll steal some stuff. Mm -hmm. And they are located on Greenwood as well. And so, it's just one of those situations where, like, I wanted to be upset in the moment, but I was listening to the dead. And I said, you know, maybe they're telling me that they just don't want that energy being placed in that building. Mm Maybe they they just want us somewhere else. And now we're recording at the Greenwood Cultural Center, which is right across the street from the Mount Vernon AME Church. So Church. So it's it's really... Mm -hmm. Organic epistemology listening political safe, sacred act of trust that we're doing with this project to say yo The ancestors are really moving this thing and We just are the vessels and the people who are holding everyone accountable to say yo like this is something we have to do together And, and to pay and tr- to pay true honor to the people who, who deserve it to move
3: i wasn't born in the manger but i was born to do a major at a hill crest came to kill shit and i'm blessed and highly favored pops was an architect moms turned to tell my angel at an early age how i learned the game on how to build a skyscraper. you can't start it at the ceiling you need a solid foundation niggas want to make it to the top so bad Without i coming out the basement me i took the long way played the staircase because the elevator breaking got me fighting frustration. Really test a nigga patience, breaking cycles long away, demonstrate, learn my worth and made them pay, learn about my turf and made a plan to renovate, redevelop, buy some land, buy some chains, rumor has it we had the tactics to make the dollar grow the fastest, I'm just trying to bring it back, I'm Dicky rolling in my pawpaw hat, old soul and some old clothes, sacred ground, what I ride on, history repeats itself, feel like it's perfect, time on, crop me out the picture, hide the truth, I promise you can't block the spirit, maneuver through it with my gut, feeling a lot of faith, a lot of grinding I wasn't born in the manger, but I was born to do with major Out of Hill, crest, came to kill shit, and I'm blessed to highly favored. I was born on Black Wall Street, feel the ashes in the air. Ancestors underneath me, kiss the ground and say your prayer. I wasn't born in the manger, I was born to do with major. Out of hill, crest, came to kill shit, and I'm blessed to highly favored. I was born on Black Wall Street, feel the ashes in the air.
0: Oh man. Regina, I can't think of a I can't think of a better way to really wrap up season two a bottom of the map than to go like on the road with the whole pod squad to Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Um such an amazing trip. True. Yeah, yeah. Um It was
1: wonderful. I mean it was Definitely something to to, to write to the, the grandbabies in the future about.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to have to find a way to top that in season three, which, by the way, comes fall 2020. So mark that on your calendar. Actually, Regina, can I ask you a question real quick? Yes. You mentioned in the beginning about how textbooks are this whole other problematic subject, but I feel like it is relevant to this particular conversation. I guess just... As an educator, as a scholar, please inform me, I guess, how does an event like the Tulsa Race Massacre get left out of history books to where it necessitates a project like Fire in Little Africa?
1: See, now you're going to have me get all upset and everything. No. (laughs) Um, I mean, it's a couple of things. Like, as as a college professor, when I get um, new students, we have this conversation in my, particularly in my survey of African American literature class, and a lot of the events that dictate so much of the cultural um, expression that's being made, that's being performed, is dictated by these really traumatic historical events, and a lot of them are like, I've never heard of that a day in my life, like what I mean that some textbooks are problematic is that they whitewash history because they don't want to make people uncomfortable. They don't want to step on toes. But the reality of that is, is that they have to step on toes to make sure that people know what happened so that we don't repeat the past. You know what I'm saying? Um, so when we got to Tulsa, like even for me, I had to rectify how I acknowledged the Tulsa race massacres because I had always called them the Tulsa race riots and folks there were like, no, no, no let's be 100, shall we? Uh, folks were dying for no reason. This was a massacre. And I was like, oh, okay. So, I mean, ultimately, it's to reclaim a particular type of narrative, not only just as an educator, but also as uh, as a black person who has family who is familiar with the Tulsa race massacre, but like still was too painful to talk about it. And I know that if my folks who are from Georgia were having that same... Um, discomfort, it was probably on 10 million for the folks who actually still live there. So one of the things that most stands out for me about this trip is that um not only did I get put on game, you know, from how to properly and respectfully talk about the event to, you know, being a part of the Tulsa landscape, you know what I'm saying? I got to try the paid tea. I got to go (laughs) and try TNT wings. Like, it was like a family reunion at one point, which made me feel really good about um, the work that they were doing, because in ways that folks won't pick up a textbook or pick up a book, they'll be quick to pick up an album. So I feel like the work is being done on both ends. And I really have to give Stevie credit for that because he recognizes that as an educator, you know, you have to find alternative ways to reach your core audience. And in this instance, this was by Oklahoma artists, for Oklahoma artists, and we're just from the outside looking in. And to be able to see that actually come into view was really, really a powerful moment for me. What about you?
0: I think this trip was all in all a very teachable moment. Uh, it just how history gets documented and really about how it's about reflecting humanity as a whole um, and how much work needs to be done in order to do that. I think there were two things that I was thinking about the most. I guess one is this Woody Guthrie connection, which I thought was really interesting because I think when folks think of this land as your land, they usually think of it as like an anthem for patriotism. But Woody Guthrie is just as much about expressing his discontent about The false advertising in the American dream as about anything else like yes he was an American but like so there was there's a part of in this land is your land where he's talking about encountering like a no trespassing sign as he as he's also navigating like the valleys and the and you know the deserts and the things like that and that's basically acknowledging that for the most part, as America is being constructed, it's already creating these different rules as to who gets to access these different liberties. And, you know, it's a democracy, yes, but for some. Ultimately, like, I think like hip hop is also pretty much in part of that tradition. And certainly this Fire in Little Africa project, even though it is still being done, is in part of that conversation as well. Really, this project is about like, sort of exposing the fact that like, our idea of Tulsa history was an incomplete one. We only had one side of the story up until this point. So that was one thing that I was really thinking about. The second thing was just navigating Tulsa in particular and what hip hop, the Tulsa hip-hop scene in particular has to offer to that landscape and in, the, that, in, in that depiction. A street that I remember stumbling across was called Reconciliation Way. And that's something that I had talked about in our conversation with Dr. View and Steph Simon. The interesting backstory behind Reconciliation Way is that it was originally named Brady Street, Brady being Tate Brady, one of the co-founders of Tulsa, who, as we came to later learn, uh, was in the ends with the KKK and was very much like a catalyst for the Tulsa Race Massacre and this larger effort to drive Black Tulsa residents out of the city in particular. So Tulsa renames... Uh, Brady Street to Reconciliation Way last year as if to say like listen we hear you we understand you we understand that Tate Brady is a problematic figure this should address it but as the hip-hop scene will has shown and as as the Fire in Little Africa project has shown it's like we're not 100% there yet I think like the the mere existence of what you know Dr. View is doing and what these Tulsa hip-hop artists are doing is proof positive that like you can't just suddenly decide that reconciliation has been achieved when we've only gotten to hear one side of the story. The trip was really interesting just because you got to see that juxtaposition. You got to see this juxtaposition of Tulsa, which, you know, in all honesty, is a really nice place to visit. Like, you look around and I'm like, oh, this is so cute and this is so quaint. And then, so, but there's that perception versus like the people who actually live there and have to live with that history and understand that, like, their birthplace is like hallowed ground. But then at the same time, you know, I think the one main takeaway is that like, as Steph Simon was saying, this was, this is so much more than about just retelling that history. I think it was really admirable that they're sort of reclaiming the black Wall Street as like a mindset as well. And they're championing the entrepreneurial spirit that their ancestors held up. And I mean, if that isn't the American dream that I don't know what is.
5: Thank you for listening to Bottom of the Map brought to you by W-A-B-E and P-R-X. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. It will help more people find this show. Follow Bottom of the Map on your social media platforms at B-O-T-M-Pod. Again, that's B-O-T-M-Pod. Bottom of the Map is hosted by Christina Lee and Dr. Regina N. Bradley. Produced by Floyd Hall. That's me edited and mixed by Stephen Major Key. Our executive producers are Jeanne Berry and John Haas. Our theme music is produced by Smith and Cash. Special thanks to Mike Johns and Lois O.G. Reitzes. This program was made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people. Follow, subscribe, connect, Holla! It was quite painful in some in, in some moments. So to look up and see Future and Drake just dancing around having fun, that was kind of tough. But all in all, it was a good experience.